Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. I am sorry that I cannot tell you what you wanted to know. I have daily memory wipes, but perhaps I can help you find the people that you are looking for. Maeve and I were talking, and we were thinking that that Walt guy was pretty gridge, and we think it might be cool to invite him to join our team. Helix Pinnacle, Rental History, Trev 4 Unit. Re-Rent. Unavailable. I know the, the rest of the people who entered you before, Helix, Maeve, Brindley, they, they're already a crew, but I think I really might be able to help them get in contact on, on an easier level. If they are a part of another tower, uh, why is it so important for you? I'm just here to pick up a slush regulator for my Daibokin so that uh, we have an easier time hoverboarding for the race that's later. Salutations, gamers! Welcome to the Daibokin Dash! Helix looks around for, like, a vending machine or maybe, like, a claw machine game or just, like, anyone selling, you know, starter pack Daibokins. I know we wanted to find Walt here, but if, if we win this thing, we can get an upgrade that maybe that's our, our bargaining chip to get Walt to join the crew, right? I mean, we have something he wants now, or we will when we crane these little twerps. And an air horn goes off and suddenly all of you take off down this escalator network. Meanwhile, Walt and Trev 4, ahead of you, Lansden Enterprise Mega Tower looms. One message has been delivered. You have two left. Everybody and welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Lena, and I am your host, your Slug Master, your Game Blaster, and with me are five of my funniest friends in the whole world. And they're going to introduce themselves to you now and uh, tell you a little bit about their characters. What I want to know, because we live in a dystopia, and I feel like this might be a slightly less common thing, uh, I want to know about your character's relationship to trees. Do they know what a tree is? Do they like trees? What's a cool tree they saw one time? Tell me about trees with your character. <laughs> Hi, I'm uh, Michael Vetch. I'm here playing the chill playbook, Walton Wick with the robot companion. Uh, and as was previously sort of stated uh, canonically in the show, Walt lives in Kindred Multiversal Megatower. And they do have electronic trees uh, in some of their parks and things like that. So... Uh, I think Walt really appreciates uh, when the leaves change color, you know, when you get them just starting to flicker blue, that really, really sets the tone of the season. <laughs> My name is Robin Slack. I'm playing Maybelline Zandross. She's the grit playbook with the photonic jacket as her signature device. Uh, and she's uh, new to Operablum, uh, but she comes from the, the plane of Thenis Spar, uh, which I, I think we've established is uh, has plenty of trees, uh, olive trees specifically, lots of olive trees. Um, so I think that's that's sort of her connection is like, I, I think if anything, she is still getting used to the lack of them here in Operablum. It's, it's that kind of thing that like you don't realize that you miss until maybe you go home and it, it strikes you that it's been so long since you've seen a, an actual real tree in person. Mm -hmm. Hello, I'm Liam. I play Helix Pinnacle. He's the smarts playbook. He's got a hard light board. And uh, I think as a resident of Web Tower, um, he's, uh, you know, t maybe a part of a volunteer crew who tends to a bonsai garden 
um, actively forcing uh, trees into weird shapes uh, and strange <laughs> patterns, uh, maybe adjacent <laughs> to like uh, a sand garden as well. Um, uh, and he's uh, maybe currently, you know what, because I like the, the symmetrical element I have for his uh, physiology. I think he's maybe working on a perfectly symmetrical but squiggly uh, bonsai tree. Nice. <laughs> That's very helix. Hey, my name is Glenna. Uh, I play Brinley Zerk. She is the Guts playbook, and she has the Gravity Blaster as her signature device. And she lives in Lansdon Tower, and we've established that Lansdon is very much about uh, restoration and keeping things uh, the same. Very, very uh, preserving, I should say, preserving things. And so I think there are actually probably parks in Lansdon with preserved trees um, maybe there's like a, like a seed bank in Lansdon mm-hmm. and they can grow trees from that. That's how that works. Right. Sure. <laughs> like the idea that they're probably pretty like sickly and spindly cause they're having to be grown in completely artificial light indoors mm-hmm. in a tower, but like no one knows any better in Opera Bloom. So they're just yeah, like, that's just it's a tree. beautiful, natural splendor. Um, <laughs> but Maeve doesn't count those as trees. She's seen real trees and she's like, that's not a tree. Yeah. Hello, my name is David Ray, and I play Trev Four, uh, the Robot Man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they are the uh, Heart Playbook, and uh, has a hyper optic visor built into uh, their head. Uh, now, in terms of trees, uh, Trev Four, the only reference point he has for trees is from uh, a piece that's on his uh, hard drive that was kind of like given to him out of the factory. Uh, he has some, uh, the, the all the seasons of Three's Company uh, there, and there are pictures of trees. However, Trev's uh, hardware cannot like figure out what they are, and he just assumes that they're just very tall people <laughs> that have lost their arms. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that's all he can kind of figure them out to be. And he's just like, "Why are they there in the background, and why aren't they ever I- interacting?" But uh, that's uh, that's all he has reference points for trees. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Uh, and as I said, I am Lena. I am your slugmaster. Um, and I have only ever had trees described to me. I was hoping I could get more clues from all of you now, but you have only confirmed my belief that they are terrifying eldritch abominations uh, that keep mm-hmm. us alive. Uh, so I don't know how to feel about that. Thanks for helping, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so when last we left your characters, uh, you were all looking for each other in the different towers of Operablum. Uh, Walton Wick with Trev Four and Toe uh, went to pay a visit to Webb Tower and Lansdon Tower, respectively. They are now in Lansdon Tower dropping off messages. Uh, meanwhile, Helix, Maeve, and Brinley uh, are taking part in the Daibokin Dash uh, which is a uh, Daibokin-themed race through Kindred Multiversal Megatower in the hopes that maybe they can find Walton there. Uh, so it's a whole who's who of who's finding who, uh, and I'm excited to get back into it. So let's do just that. Let's play Slug Blaster. Yeah! Yay! Yay! Brinley, Helix, Maeve, you are uh, 
soaring down this uh, escalator network. At first, it's it's kind of got ski hill vibes where all of you are kind of going down the same slope at once. Um, but then, you know, a couple of them branch off in one direction and a couple of them branch off in another direction. And it's it starts breaking off uh, into multiple paths, all that seem to be sort of winding down. Um, but it becomes, you know, a little more complicated than just a straight shot down. Um, so I, I want to get rolls from all of you to see how you fare in the race. Uh, yeah, so I think Bryn has her little hard light stick figure man, like, hanging out on her shoulder. Nice. And she is, like, I don't know how everyone's going down these escalators, but I think she's grinding down the handrail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and doing uh, doing jumps back and forth between the rails. Nice. And you'll probably need to because you're not the only one who's chosen to grind down the rail uh, in this way. Um, one, uh, like, one kid is, like, grinding down and has, like, uh, a Daibokin that, like, you almost don't notice at first. And then you realize that it's, like, a tiny little train that's running the perimeter of the hoverboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cute. Um... Uh, so yeah, you do need to like jump from like rail to rail to kind of avoid the other people who are grinding down. Um, yeah, let's get a roll. Yeah, this is a gutsy move, and I would like to do a trick, please. Yes. So uh, let's let's add one d six to that roll. I guess I'll do like I'll kickflip. Why not? Let's let's do the titular kickflip. Yes, kickflips. Between the we rails. We love our kickflips at Quantum Kickflip. Yeah! Alright, rolling with 2d6. <laughs> That's a three. Oh no! <laughs> but I do get to refill one attitude whenever I attempt a trick, even if I fail. That is good! <laughs> that is very good. Um, so you uh, are, are grinding your way down. At first, uh, you just kind of like, you feel the rush, um, the, the speed, the air whipping through your hair. Uh, these jumps feel very much like, you know, when you're making a delivery and, and pulling off cool stunts and stuff. Um, and then you just miscalculate and uh, you jump over to another rail. Someone else has jumped to that same rail at the same time. And the two of you collide and uh, uh, stumble and uh, fall quite quite a ways uh, uh, down the length of this escalator shaft until it kind of levels off. Um, So uh, you're going to take a slam. Uh, The slam is bashed. Okay. And uh, you did attempt a trick, so problems are worse. Your hoverboard goes skidding out and away from you. Now, you have a gravity gauntlet. You can still navigate. Um, but this uh, uh, this kid uh, that you crashed into kind of, like, uh, picks himself up and looks over uh, at the, the little hard light marker on your shoulder and then looks over at your hoverboard that is skidding very far away um, and is like, is that even a real Daibokin? Uh, yeah, his name's Brabley. He's very cool. You can see he has a hat. <laughs> I know a guy named Brabley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? So you know another Daibokin like this. Are you cheating? <laughs> I don't know if I could if I wanted to, little dude. <laughs> 
Um, and and so you you uh, uh, take your slam, and uh, you uh, everyone else is sort of like whipping past you uh, as you sort of need to like uh, scramble to get to your feet um, and uh, maybe get your hoverboard again so that uh, people assume you're legitimately competing in this Daibokin race of which the board part is a factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helix or Maeve? Yeah, I think Helix, uh, you know, uh, takes off behind Brinley. Um, she, she's just undeniably faster. So, uh, Helix, uh, you know, kicks off on his, on his hoverboard. He, I guess before he kicks off on it, he, he activates his hard light board. Uh, he makes it uh, a fairly narrow length. Um, he can go anywhere from, you know, skateboard to snowboard length, and he keeps it at a fairly tight skateboard length, mm. uh, cause it's quite crowded, uh, and begins grinding, uh, down one of the rails as well. Um, he's going just too fast to try to go down the stairs. He'll, he'll bump into someone. Uh, and seeing how kind of crowded everything is and the fact that we are on a descent, Helix sort of makes the choice. Um, I'm going to go from grinding one rail to grinding another rail. And that other rail is easily 30 feet below and going at a different angle. Like it's per- running perpendicular to this one. Um, kind of like he's, he's trying to like take a shortcut through the air. Okay, I love that. Uh, and I think I'm going to add a turbo. I'm going to add a um, add an extra a boost. Mm-hmm. Uh, glee, a four. A four, okay. That's the highest. Uh, mixed success. Let's uh, describe this jump first. Uh, yeah, so like I said, he's, he's, he's grinding down. There's the, you know, the, the, all these, you know, various... Uh, railings of these escalators are, are still pretty crowded with racers um, but he kind of like you know how like in Rainbow Road in Mario Kart there's a way to like jump to the neck like you fall off the edge but you can land on more track at the bottom Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of what he's going for is he's he's gonna alright uh, Jellican go he says <laughs> Uh, that's that's not uh, it's not actually gonna help. He's just sort of holding his jellican in his hand as he does it. Um, but yeah, does a <laughs> does a little kick um, and re, you know turns his body ninety degrees so that when he he you know he's currently doing like a um, just a classic board slide like one foot on the left of the rail, one foot on the right of the rail. Mm-hmm. Um, turns in such a way so that when he lands, he'll be doing the same thing and sort of adjusts his body weight so that the momentum will will take him where he wants to go. And uh, yeah, I, I'd say skips skips a few people and jumps to one of the lower rails that runs perpendicular to the one he was on, but lower. Okay. Hmm. And perhaps not overly successfully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think what's gonna happen is um, you're you're definitely gonna land on this rail, and it does put you quite a bit lower than everybody. Um, which you know is is a good thing. That's exactly what you sort of aimed for. Uh, it does run perpendicular, and at first glance, you thought that it was going to sort of get you closer to where you needed to be by its angle as well. Uh, vertically, yes. Angle-wise, you're now sort of careening off in the wrong direction. Mm. So at this point, you have two options for your next maneuver. You can either sort of follow this escalator on sort of the course it's taking. It does seem like you're kind of still in play. Um, You know, you haven't gone completely outside of the markers of the race or anything like that. Um, You can either follow it where it's going, and maybe it actually ends up being a bit more of a longer way after all. Or 
there is another jump, and it's even bigger than the one you just took. And <laughs> much more dangerous. Uh, no question. Um, I feel like most most great Sled Blaster characters would choose the more dangerous one, but uh, specifically Elix, uh, mm. uh, you know, loves loves to take those big risks. There's just something about it. There's something about the rush. Um, yeah, no, uh, you tell me when. Uh, he, he is immediately going to course correct with an even bigger jump, especially having successfully made this one. Not only will I do it more dangerously, he's now, he's feeling very confident he's going to try to do a trick while he does it. Ooh, all right. Uh, you know what? What the heck? Let's get that roll right now. Sure. So I think when he lands, he realizes he's got a course correct, and so he's going to kick off again, and it's almost like... The th- you know the thing where you like you, you you hit a wall and then you kick off the wall to go to the other direction. Um, instead of sliding on the rail, he's gonna kick off that second rail. Uh, do a uh, grab trick. He's gonna grab the nose of his board um, and try to. I-, I hope this is tracking for the audience. I can see it very clearly in my mind. Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing like a rocket grab where your feet are together and you grab the nose of the board and pull it off. That's the trick I'm seeing in my head. So I'm gonna roll a two d six again go hoi uh, <laughs> one of the day was a one but the other one was a six. Oh, a six all right yes yeah, maybe it's shaky for a second he's like oh this perhaps i i've uh you know actually this is i love this because it's he, he he should have learned a lesson about taking big risks uh, but it is now <laughs> going to pay off twice in a row uh perhaps leaving an indelible mark on him and what he thinks he can get away with in the future um, <laughs> He's learning a lesson. It might yeah. not be a good one. <laughs> he has learned exactly. something. Risks pay off. Reckless <laughs> risks always work. Um, yeah, and nose grab and a flip. Uh, and he is now, uh, I mean, you tell me how far out ahead of everyone I am, but I feel like he sort of jumped like, sort of, you know, like two legs of the race. He's almost like skipped two markers. There are not a lot of people around and mostly behind you. You have definitely uh, left the majority of the racers in your proverbial dust. Um, he's now maybe grinding down a, a slightly more stable rail. He's back on track, and he's keeping pace with someone with a fairly advanced Daibokin, maybe like a like a like a weird lizard thing that's that's like kind of given whoever's using it like gecko abilities. Um, mm-hmm. And as this this guy sort of like does a double take at at this person who's who's caught up to him. Um, as they're grinding together down each each of each of a rail, uh, uh, Helix just kind of looks and goes, "Jellican from a gumball machine." <laughs> just points at it. <laughs> uh, and this person looks absolutely dumbfounded and crushed that uh, someone with a jellican is keeping pace with her. <laughs> uh, and you can actually see the ramp up ahead that is going to propel you into the next leg of the race. Uh, but Maybelline, let's get a roll. Uh, so Maybelline sees both of her crewmates kind of take the um, more uh, acrobatic uh, approach of like grinding on rails and jumping from rail to rail and sort of like that that does make sense because there's a lot of people clogging up these escalators. Um, but I think Maeve's going to take another approach because I'm, I'm assuming that while they're escalators and, and I'm picturing like stairs, we're also mm-hmm. not on skateboards, we're on hoverboards, right? So like... Mm-hmm. there's a chance that I can sort of glide straight down the, the staircase. Yeah. Might be a little bumpity depending on how the space-time slush has settled, but absolutely. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and I'm assuming I'm not the only person doing this, just sheer numbers. Like, 
yeah. I, I bet a lot of people are going for the rails, but just there's enough of us that some people are on the front. Uh, so what mm-hmm. I want to do is use my photonic jackets ability of hard light upscaling to uh, roll to temporarily augment my jacket with useful hard light ornaments such as glowing tentacles, giant polygonal fists, or briefly serviceable wings. Uh, I don't want any of those things, though. I want... I was I was Googling it while you guys were making rules to see if there's a real name for the thing I'm picturing in my brain, because uh, I want to call it a cow catcher, and apparently that's what it's called, and there isn't a, a, a the like, technical a name, but on the front I, of a train, yeah. 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 Oh. oh! You know, the like... Yeah, the pointy the pointy grill that comes out on the front of a train. Uh, it's a cow catcher. Uh, she wants to make uh, basically a big uh, three dimensional triangular prism in front of her that's going to just sort of part the crowd and shove everyone <laughs> off to either side of her, so she can torpedo down the escalator and get out in front of everyone. This is incredible. Yes, please roll. <laughs> uh, I am going to add a d six. Uh, from my uh, photonic jacket. And what the heck, I'm going to throw a d6 on from my attitude. I think the, uh, I, I I think it's somewhat gritty to, uh, rather than, you know, trying to shortcut or work around to just be like, I am going to push through just and take all of the through. bumps and knocks that come with that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think, I think I'll leave it at that. I'll save my kick for when it counts. Uh, So I'm rolling with uh, 3d6. Gotta get another d6. (laughs) Here we go. Boy, oh boy, a four. (laughs) A four. Oh, the mix is today. Um, Okay, so here's what I'll say. Um, You will be successful, right? You (laughs) generate this... Uh, uh, big uh, triangular uh, prism uh, and you start uh, shooting down the escalator. Describe how awesome this looks. Yeah, uh, I think I think in the first episode I said something about white light, but I, I think in general uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retcon and say that most of my hard light upscaling uh, is, is very golden glow. Um, kind of takes on a similar quality to her her uh, brass uh, skin uh, has has like this gold um, glowy quality to it, and uh, yeah, she generates that like it, it sort of like comes up out of her jacket like it's you know expanding out like a balloon, uh, but then takes the shape into this sort of pyramid form, and she just sort of uh, ducks low on her board, like crouches right down, and, and just gets herself like center of gravity low, gets low to the ground and lets this uh, prism do all the work. Uh, and and kids are getting knocked off their boards and slammed side to side. I don't think they're getting like thrown off the escalator, but like slammed up against the wall on either side. Uh, mm-hmm, as she just mm-hmm. sort of carves right down the middle uh, in an attempt to get in front of the pack and see what the next leg holds for her. Fantastic. What I think I will say is... Um, this is obviously successful in, in knocking kids out of the way and clearing a path for you. It maybe doesn't give you quite as much speed as you would like. You're almost getting ahead more by virtue that you're knocking kids behind you <laughs> rather than you're shooting out ahead of them. <laughs> Going directly through the crowd wasn't the way to get in front of them, <laughs> to pick up the boost of speed. Who would have thought? You're, Not Mabel. You're technically in front of, of them now. Must be air resistant. No, it's person resistant. <laughs> it's kid resistant. Kid resistance. 
Uh, the other problem that I don't think you, Maybelline, are aware of is that you create this uh, bright, tall, glowing golden spectacle uh, as you're moving forward. And everyone around on the balconies can see the Jumbotron close-up flicker to you. And uh, murmurs start to ripple through the crowd as they th see this uh, uh, Thenisparshan uh, uh, looking like they're wearing possibly an arborist robe, it's hard to tell, uh, participating in this race. Is she from Thenispar? Wasn't there an arborist temple in the other tower? Who is this mysterious woman? <laughs> yeah, Maeve is not aware of this. Like, this is a big problem for Maeve and could, could go real bad. Uh, but I don't think she's uh, cognizant of it at this moment. She's just crouching down and, and really trying to lean all of her weight into getting out in front of this crowd. And and get out in front uh, you do, to a degree. Uh, and Brinley, you uh, eventually do manage to pick yourself up and untangle yourself uh, uh, from this kid. Uh, you do gather up your hoverboard and carry on down. Uh, Helix, you are well ahead of the pack and ahead of you is this ramp. One by one, in different orders, Helix, then Maeve, then Brinley. You careen over this ramp and into the next leg of the Daibokin Dash. Each tower of Operablum has its own philosophy for its survival. It is the core tenet of the tower. Every resident of the tower knows it by heart, and they even know the philosophies of the other towers, no matter how much they may or may not agree with them. Kindred's philosophy is expansion, finding somewhere new to live entirely, and Webb's philosophy is adaptation, finding ways to live on Operablum as it is. The philosophy of Lansden Enterprise Megatower is, Restoration. Lansden's ultimate goal is to find a way to stop the toxic fog from rising, to make Operablum a safer and more comfortable dimension to live in. If possible, Lansden even wants to try to find a way to eliminate the toxic fog and restore the dimension of Operablum. Lansden values loyalty, righteousness, and harmonization. At best, representatives of Lansden are compassionate, hopeful, and just. At worst, they are naive, impatient, and self-righteous. Wolt and Trevfor, you have left Web Tower having delivered your message to Helix. You now have two messages left to deliver here in Lansden Tower, one to Brindley and one to Maybelline. So my first question for you is, where do you go first? Do you go to Posthost, the courier service where Brindley works, or do you go to the Arborist Temple where Maybelline resides? Um, I guess whichever one is closer going up? I think that would probably be Post Host. Because Post Host is on the 437th floor, as has been established, and the Arborist Temple. Uh, I don't think we gave a specific floor number, um, but I, I do see it as being a little bit higher. Uh, it would have probably come into establishment, uh, you know, a little bit later in the lifespan, I guess, of this tower. Um, so yeah, I think I think it would be post-host then. So you are going to make your way 
through the Lansden Enterprise Mega Tower. And at first, navigating the halls on Detective seems to go just fine. Um, the, the tower here, unlike the other towers, which has sort of adopted their own sort of different architectural styles, uh, Lansden Tower is pretty consistent in its brutalist architecture. Um, so you have no shortage of concrete pillars, gaping alcoves, and exposed piping that you can sort of duck behind and around um, in case anyone ever sort of walks by. You, um, your cover is maintained. Um, mm, traditional Edmontonian. Traditional, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, th- there have definitely been people that you have had to sort of sneak past, uh, but once again, Trev Force hyperoptic visor rig uh, proves reliable as ever as you hide from a crew of coverall clad operablins guiding a hover trolley laden with junk down the hallway. You sneak past a group of youngsters that are fighting over a ball. Uh, they're like, there's this like narrow Y shaped pillar, and they're trying to be the first one to throw it through the prongs of the pillar and then presumably they get a point um there are security guards too on the floor um you you manage to avoid it in web it's almost like the tower itself had its own security of you you can't go there if you're not meant to but here there's definitely a, a, a presence um but you manage to sneak past them uh, and weave your way sort of through the pillars. Here in Lansden, the screens are mostly on the pillars. They look like they're going to fall off at any second, like it's just going to weigh down and just crash to the ground, but they don't. Um, These screens also hum the loudest. (laughs) Hmm. Um, And as you go by, one of them uh, has like this... Uh, uh, a rugged, sweaty-looking Operablin uh, navigating this hover trolley with this voiceover that's like, the Lansden hover hauler gets the job done, just like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the first stretch of navigating Lansden uh, Tower goes relatively easily, but as you get closer and closer to post host's location, which not only is central-ish from a vertical perspective, but also central in the triangle, um, it's getting harder and harder to stay hidden. Um, And when you actually approach it, you realize there's no way that you're gonna be able to get through the front door. Um, It's, you know, the entrance is fully out in the open, um, clearly meant to be a very welcoming and inviting place. Hello, you see this place, you walk through this place, which is the last thing that you want. Um, Hmm. And Trev, you know with your aperture that uh, the front desk, which is occupied, is facing the front door. So you're gonna need to find another way in. So I think it's as uh, you're sort of circling around sort of the structure of post host looking for a side door or a back door that we just sort of join up with you as you're having a little chat uh, so as uh, Trevor is like kind of scanning as uh, as they kind of uh, go around um, I have updated my per- operating parameters so as not to use my taser bolts on anybody unless you say otherwise yeah I think that that might be a good way to go about it. I uh, I ended up taking a little more collateral from those tasers than I expected. I apologize for my errant operation. I must ask, though, if I see a union forming, may I use my taser bolts? 
Um, I think that'll still fall under the the purview of whether or not I, I give you the go ahead. I'm not inherently against unions. Well, this does conflict with my prime directive, but I shall use discretion. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, Trev. I'm also looking for not just other side doors, but maybe uh, some alternative like uh, vents or if there's like, say, uh, a sewer system that might go in or like, I don't know, any of those kind of things or uh, breaks in the wall uh, that might be around. Ooh, okay. Um, What you do see is uh, there are, you would almost describe them as like hexagonal holes placed at regular intervals in the wall. There's maybe only like, well, say like four, but, um, you know, they, they seem reasonably person, humanoid or humanoid robot sized. <laughs> uh, but they're not meant as a uh, means of ingress or anything like that. It would be, it's, it's like a vent of sorts. Maybe. Uh, they're definitely high enough off the ground that you can't just, like, shimmy through. Uh, well, then, as we go around, I point out those vents, uh, as well mm. as the obvious, uh, you know, maybe the obvious back door. How, how would you like to proceed? Trev, do you, you... You can look inside, right? Do you... Do you see anyone that matches the description I gave you for Brindley? Hmm... It does not appear that someone looking like Brindley is inside. Dang it. Oh for two so far. I don't I don't know that she'd be here. I guess I guess it makes sense that she might be out on a delivery. I Maybe I should have tried to plan this out. I I don't know why I assumed I'd just run into everyone right wherever they would be in the towers. That's uh, I might just have to leave another message here, Trev. Well, that seems like a good plan. How may I assist you in this? Yeah, I, I think I want to actually jump in and offer a little bit of clarification here. Um, Post Host is a postal delivery service. And I think you're approaching this with a level of discretion, Walton Trev, because of the tone of the article that featured Brinley. Um mm. It was very, it felt very sort of pro-Lansden and very mm. like, we are doing what is best for the tower and what our tower is doing is best. Um, so, you know, Webb just felt a little bit hostile to navigate by nature of the tower itself. Um, mm. Coming into Lansden, you very much got the vibe from Post Host that they don't expect anyone from other towers to come through, which is why the front door with the receptionist felt a little bit dicey. Sure, maybe they would take the message, but they might also call security. Gotcha, gotcha. I will also throw out there that there is a back door. <laughs> so one would seem like uh, would probably be, you know, it might be maintenance uh, oriented and the other one would be, you. we might have to avoid people, but it would be more walkable, I'm sure. Yes. Now, when you mention vents that might be people-sized, yes, my brain also went to thinking that if it is people-sized, it, it is more than spacious enough for something that was, I don't know, <laughs> shrimp-sized? Like a little guy? Like a little guy, a little, little one-foot-tall orange 
hard light guy. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm almost wondering if there's maybe a way that I can just like try and make a little delivery of my own via the uh, the uh, the old reliable Daibokin postal service. <laughs> uh, if I could like find a way to send Scampikin in to drop off the message just while we're out, like, we don't even have to go in the building. I don't know if that entirely ruins your encounter or not. Oh, <laughs> fam, no, please, Daibo can delivery this. Yeah, I think uh, Walt, uh, f- from from their vantage point, he uh, sort of pulls Trev aside and pulls up the Daibo vice from his hip and sort of pointing its screen outward toward uh, the pavement uh, just says, Scampikin, go! And the little sort of ring around the screen detaches off and and, uh, an orange light emanates from around it and it grows into the form of Scampykin. Yeah, your little like one foot tall shrimp buddy. Yeah, he's just a little shrimp, shrimpy boy. I don't know, I guess I I drew him, but I don't know how to convey that. (laughs) He's orange and he's got just two little arms with little little sort of like claw pincers. He's got some long antenna and some little mustachy antenna. And big, bulgy, bluish-purple eyes. I love that. I know it's, like, made out of, uh, like, light or whatever. Uh, and it has color and shape and whatever. Can you kind of see through it to the other side? Like, is it kind of, like, look like a projection a little bit? Or is it, uh, like, solid? Does it look I think like it's a- more solid. It's, like, the, they've definitely tried to adapt the technology to make it look more opaque and real. I'm sure. sure, like, if maybe it's the thing where, like, if he takes damage and stuff, you can sort of see him flicker, and, like, that's the moments when the, the projection side of it becomes a little clearer. And and, the, and your shrimpy boy has, uh, like, an intelligence, right? Like, has an AI, or do you control it from a distance, or is it a combination of both? Uh, he has AI, uh, sort of at this basic level. He's, uh, he's described as having the smarts and loyalty of a dog. Sure. <laughs> Uh, so he can he can do he can do uh, sort of more basic tasks and things like that. All right. So sounds like Scampykin is gonna drop off a little uh, little message for Brinley. Uh, let's maybe get a roll. Yeah, I think Walt uh, sort of kneels down to Scampykin and he has a little envelope that he's just written Brinley on the front of. Or actually, he just wrote Brin, because that's always uh, how he addressed her when they were little uh, pen pals in the past. Uh, and he hand scampy this envelope, which he takes in his little his little prawn claws. <laughs> uh, so as the chill, I roll two d six. Since I am engaging Scampykin for this, uh, I'm going I'm going to use some uh, bonuses from his turbo pool. I'll add another d six to that, and I think I actually I want to put a kick on this as well. And my mm-hmm. hopes with that are, as much as Walt is struggling to describe, like find Brinley's locker or like find a, if you can see a, the name Brinley written, I don't know if you can read. Um, it's just the hope that he will find the right place to put it. His, uh, his <laughs> crustacean intuition will lead him. Uh, Lena, I, I'm wondering if uh, perhaps if I use uh, some kick for my visor, would I be able to at least get a, a sense of, uh, where might be a good place to go and kind of like pin it like to uh, uh, to give to help give stronger directions like if you go here and here and here like uh, that the shrimp may be be able to follow I love that yeah so I'll roll 3d6 with two kick dang tonight is sixes 
Oh, baby! That's amazing! It's two sixes, actually, yeah. (laughs) It's two sixes! Things are coming up, Walton Wick! I I am not going to have another one all season. (laughs) 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 That's right. (laughs) Um, So... Okay, uh, Walton gives uh, the letter to our little our little scamp, um, and the uh, uh, scampykin floats up, floats through this hexagonal hole into a big hallway, and the wall that scampykin came from, and the opposing wall, um, are just lined with these hexagonal shapes. Um, some of them are these like uh, uh, holes that just lead fully out of the building. Uh, many, many, many of them are cubbies. Uh, and a lot of them have drones in them. Uh, and uh, Oh, they're drone holes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and Scampykin can see. Uh, uh, you know, drones occasionally coming out of the cubby and flying out, uh, or flying in and returning back to the cubby, uh, and uh, uh, maybe there's a conveyor belts with packages, and it swoops down and picks up the thing from the conveyor belt and swoops up and swoops out one of the hexagon holes. So drones are going to and fro in this hallway. But you rolled a six, so describe Scampykin's actions as he maneuvers flawlessly through this hallway. I think uh, it takes him a second. He sort of floats internally for a moment and like, oh, there's a lot moving around here. And he kind of burbles and bubbles a little to himself. <laughs> and then his his eyes kind of narrow a little. He's, he's just like a very determined look. And then he, he takes off and he swoops down and he's weaving in and out around these drones. They, they pop up. It's... It's very, like, if you're in one of those video game levels where you're, like, flying a plane or something, and you're just, like, moving forward past a bunch of different obstacles, zooping in and out of shot, uh, he's zo- uh, going through spinning, popping over. At one point, he has to, like, bubble one off to the left a little bit, and he, he makes it on on past this barrage of drones. Uh, amazing. <laughs> and with this uh, kick that was... Uh, this two kick that was put on this roll, I will say uh, that not only will Scampykin be able to locate the cubby that appears most likely to belong to Brinley, um, thanks to Trev Four's uh, uh, expert calculations and uh, 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 location pinging technology that Scampykin can hone in on, um, the additional kick means that none of the drones uh, and uh, Arachne, the receptionist sitting at the front, uh, no one notices Scampykin as he slips on in and uh, drops off this letter. Um, outside, uh, Walt and Trev for, uh you wait uh, with uh, bated breath or not breath, um, depending on who you are. Um, <laughs> and uh, moments later, uh, uh, Scampykin uh, floats out of the cubby and back to you, unharmed and envelope-free. Good job, Scampykin. And I take my uh, right thumb and try to put a sticker onto the hard light, but it, it, it just kind of flickers off. And then Trevor like, let me try again. And uh, it still doesn't work. <laughs> And tries again, uh, but uh, I, I do want to say I refill one attitude because I helped uh, with that action, and that's <laughs> oh, what the nice. heart gets. Yeah, so I get uh, a die back. Excellent. 
Uh, here, Trev, uh, if you really want, you can just put it on the back of his Daibo vice. Aww. Ah, excellent. It, it's good to give encouragement. And uh, another uh, <laughs> uh, a, a sticker. He's very pleased by this. <laughs> and, and it's at this point that I turn uh, to Wolder. As a reminder, every time I give a sticker, you are being charged one partial credit. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, yeah. no, uh, it's worth it for Scampy. Uh, and the two of you uh, make your way towards the nearest empty elevator that will take you to the Arborist Temple. Nerds, it's me, Lena, your Slugmaster Game Blaster, wanting to thank you so, so much for listening to this episode of Quantum Kickflip. Sorry I called you nerds a second ago. Um, I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me by leaving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice for Quantum Kickflip and recommending the show to a friend. Uh, please do that, and then I'll know that we're all good, because it will uh, eat away at me. Slug Blaster the Game is officially available for purchase. You can get the book, form a crew, and kick your tabletop gaming experience into nth gear. The link to the Slug Blaster store is in the show notes of this episode. We are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow us for new episode updates, audiograms, and more. You can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, as well as bi-weekly bonus content, like outtakes and our extensive Session Zero, the final part with the characters, crew, and family releases next week. So subscribe today at patreon.com slash quantumkickflip. I would like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. You can check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, who have a ton of amazing, locally-made shows over at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the conclusion of this wild crew chase on Wednesday, November 16th. We're going to get you folks right back to the action, but first, here's Forrester Tarment with a word from our sponsors. Greetings, friends of Operablum and the Multiverse. I am here to read some ads for Quantum Kickflip. This episode of Quantum Kickflip is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. Park Power is owned by Chris Kazowski, who has a growing and well-deserved reputation for being a guy who cares. If you're in the Edmonton area, you may have seen him around town in his signature bow tie supporting local causes and boosting local business. He walks that talk with his business. It's why Park Power shares its profits with local charities. As a new customer, you can choose a community partner to receive 10% of the proceeds from your electricity bill, like the CKUA Radio Network, or the Festival Place Cultural Arts Foundation, or the Boys and Girls Club of Strathcona County, among many others. You can learn more at Park power.ca. It sounds like this Chris Kazowski has quite a bit in common with myself. I, too, have a growing reputation for being a guy who cares. This episode of Quantum Kickflip is also brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. 
Alberta Blue Cross understands that running a small business is tough, and they understand that business owners in Alberta are busy. Let Alberta Blue Cross give you peace of mind with a group benefit plan. They offer health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Alberta Blue Cross group benefit plans are easy to manage anywhere, anytime, and on any device, making it easy for you and your employees to access. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. If they think running a small business is tough, try running a multiversal religious order. Ah, but even the grandest and most magnificent of trees starts from a tiny seed. Well, that's everything for the ads, and oh, I think someone is arriving at the Arborist Temple. I must see to this, but in the meantime, please enjoy the rest of the episode. Maeve, Brinley, Helix, you have been racing through Kindred Multiversal Megatower. Uh, you have been racing on an escalator network um, that consists of escalators going every which way in huge parallel lines and perpendicular crisscrossing networks. Um, Helix is doing very, very well in this race. Uh, Brindley is doing not so well. Uh, and, and Maybelline is uh, most certainly holding her own. Um, all around you is people cheering, uh, flashing lights, LED screens. There are people like lining balconies on either side as they're watching you. And they're also watching the big jumbotron high above you that occasionally is snapping to various close-ups of the racers. Um, you're in amongst a crowd of other people who are racing. Um, Some of them appear to just be on hoverboards. Uh, Some of them have uh, creatures uh, racing in behind them, slung over their shoulders, uh, peeking out from behind their backs. Uh, All sorts of different interesting looking uh, critters. Uh, Cats and hats and bats. Oh my! Uh, (laughs) But you have made it through this escalator network, and uh, at the bottom of it, uh, in in each of your own time, you come across this huge ramp. You ramp over it into what sort of looks like a glass enclosure, and as you go into it, suddenly everything changes instantly. Uh, the air temperature changes. It's warmer and more humid. The light shifts to something warm and like it's coming from a singular source. Uh, and you find yourself surrounded by trees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, it was foreshadowing. <laughs> uh The uh, speed that you've built up from going down this escalator network and from clearing this big ramp uh, suddenly is working against you and it needs to turn into agility as you navigate through and around these trees, trying not to uh, crash headlong into it. Um, You can still sort of see Kindred sort of above you and in the far distance, you still see some LED screens and like vaulted ceilings and stuff. Above you, you actually manage to catch like this row of lights pointed at you that you assume is creating a projection of this space that you are in. 
Uh, and finally, ahead of you, you see uh, three tall mountain peaks sort of creating a little range off in the distance and sort of shining at the base of these mountains is like this, what looks like a pillar of yellow light um, that looks weird uh, compared to everything else. You know, like the simulation is like very realistic in a lot of ways, but this pillar of light is like unnaturally kind of yellow and vertical like this column. Um, and, uh, maybe that's where you need to go. Who's to say? Uh, so with that, who's got to move to navigate this forest? How, how thick are these trees? <laughs> um, they are, uh, uh, weirdly, okay. So like we would know them as like average adult trees, right? Uh, uh, big round tree trunks, uh, very, very tall. Uh, you know, how tall are trees? Very tall. <laughs> Picture a tree. Uh, we talking deciduous, coniferous. What are we talking? It is a Palm. mix of deciduous and coniferous. There is actually a wide variety of trees, but they are all weirdly kind of exactly the same in terms of width and height. And the spacing of them is like also weirdly manufactured you know what i mean mm -hmm. like you're like there's clearly no path that's not the point of this you're not supposed to be on a path but like they're staggered in specific ways and then over here is a cluster and then on the other side further ahead is a weirdly identical looking cluster so like big thick fairly formidable trees but also just like all the same size <laughs> all right uh well brinley does not like being behind mm -hmm. and i think is gonna gonna try and I mean, she she navigates the urban forest all the time, so I think <laughs> this is a perfect opportunity. Um, so, question, Lena. Mm -hmm. uh, my impulse rig allows me to uh, launch myself high in the air, use my beam like a grappling hook, or give myself a boost of speed. If I throw some kick on there, will you let me do all three? <laughs> launch yourself in the air, use a grappling hook, and go roll fast? Yeah. Yeah, fam? Cool. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to throw a kick on from my gravity blaster. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to do uh, a d6 for my attitude. And uh, I'm going to try and do a trick. Yeah. Maybe I'll land this one. <laughs> I believe in you. You get that style. Oh, let's try it. Oh, my God. Okay. That's a two. Oh, no. <laughs> but okay. I do refill my attitude, so there's that. I <laughs> <laughs> really what you're angling for, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ugh. The good news is you have a lot of resources. The bad news is you're going to need them. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm going to say is... Uh, uh, you you launch yourself high in the air. Mm -hmm. I think um, I think that's like reasonable. Um, and then you you use your beam like a grappling hook to make your way through. And you know these trees have like big, thick, beautiful branches that are just so easy to like latch onto and go. Mm -hmm. um, and then suddenly you uh, are are flying forward and you just get the wind knocked out of you and you fall to the ground hard. Um, you're definitely not going to uh, get ahead in this race, which is frustrating to you because like you said, you've navigated 
spaces like this before. And you like to think you're pretty good at, you know, recognizing the layout of a thing and figuring out how to move through it quickly. You're not even entirely sure what you crashed into. Um, and as you sort of look up to try and figure it out, uh, you see the branch that had hit you and you see it move and scuttle down the tree on four legs. Oh. <laughs> and it kind of like shakes itself at you uh, and and goes, um, oh no, I didn't think of a name for this one. Uh, and, and goes at Sticky Can, Sticky Can. <laughs> <laughs> you have been attacked by a wild Dibokin. Oh my goodness. And, <laughs> and Helix... And Maeve, as you are navigating your way through this forest, uh, more and more start to come out. The, the worst complication is additional complications for your friends. Oh, no. Uh, so there's there's wild bird Daibokin flying from one branch to the other. Uh, uh, you see the classic like ground trail of something burrowing through the ground, even though that's probably not how burrows work. But that's what you see. Um, <laughs> uh, you see little mushroom guys and they're going like fungakin, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, and not only do you have to navigate this, uh, virtual forest, you also need to, uh, avoid getting attacked by wild Dibokin. Uh, Helix or Maeve, who is up? Can the fungus one, uh, be kind of like the Meowth and that it's like always like, insulting you and like talking sarcastically and it's called shiitakin because <laughs> it's a shiitake mushroom and that's always shit talking oh hey that wow <laughs> i do good i love how quickly you put that together sorry that was what their wow came from <laughs> i do good that uh, it's impressive <laughs> it's just it is impressive hey, yeah, that's my contribution helix you gotta play <laughs> yes, I have a I have my character as a play, uh though though no riff uh quite like that. Though I'm pretty excited. I was I was trying to think I'm like, how do I use cause I we're we're so early in the game and I'm so spoiled from playing a lake and having all these great options with the reality cannon. I got one mod on my hard light board right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do I make this work? Yeah, you're a level one boy. Level one boy, but I got a level <laughs> one plan. Uh I'm going to uh so Helix is is sort of slalom uh skating, you know, between these these tree clusters. He can see everything's um, manufactured, uh, artificial projections as it were, um, kind of doing like a slalom move on his, uh, you know, hard light board. That's now maybe about the length of a, of a snowboard, mm-hmm. um, sees these things start coming out of the, out of the woodwork, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> maybe he doesn't clock some of the birds and the, the fungus, um, but he sees the trees get tree guys, um, engage energy lattice reform to chainsaw mode. Uh, and just imagine a snowboard, and then imagine a snowboard with chainsaw teeth going around <laughs> it. Oh. Wow. Um, yeah, that's so sick. That rules. Because <laughs> one of the the limitations to this is, uh, you know, custom shapes, uh, including tools, hand weapons, and other useful objects of a similar size. And so all the plans I had involved it going big. And I'm like, how do I keep it to the size of the board? And that was my mm-hmm. solution. So yes, uh, engage energy lattice. Uh, chainsaw mode uh, and hard light teeth start ripping clockwise around the um, 
Actually, you know what? They don't have to go clockwise because it's not an actual chain. They go from tip to back. So the ones on the left, like the ones at the tip move backwards uh, down each side to the back. Yes. Cool. Yes. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna add a kick. I'm going to add one kick. Uh, and so uh, doing this for the critters, but I'm adding a kick for the trees. So if this, uh, <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love to leave some debris behind me for the people uh, skating behind me. Ooh, okay. That's what the, that's what the kick is for. All right. Uh, rolling one d six about it. Unless can I have some crew style or come some crew crew resources? Oh hype! Uh, yeah, you have your hype your hype die pool, which I believe has uh, two dice and a kick right now. Um, I, I y'all aren't like a fully formed crew yet, but any of you can access this and absolutely use it to uh, to boost your roll. Sweet. May I may I use one of those d six team? Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Here we go. Two. Oh boy! Um, Did you want to use another one of those dice? No, it's too late. It's too late. I rolled two ones. Oh no! You rolled two ones. Yeah. Snake eyes. Adderkin eyes. Adderkin eyes. Um, okay, I think I know what happens here. Uh, you do activate these chainsaw teeth on your hard light board. Uh, and as you make your way forward, um, the, the Daibokin that approach you basically see this threat and, and scurry away. Um, and, and you can just, uh, go past them. Uh, because yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to saw critters in half on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> not, not now, anyway. Uh, I'll ease you into the horror. Uh, no. Um, so maybe you get a little bit of confidence, uh, and you're like, well, it would be faster if you just, you know, chopped down a tree and made your way through, and then, like you said, you'd create an obstacle for the other ones. Um, and you, you approach a tree, and, uh, the chainsaw bites in, and you hear this screech of hard light on steel. And the tree itself, because it's a light projection, actually doesn't really change much. But you have jammed your hard light board into uh, a, a steel block. You could, like, a pillar. Mm. Um, and it has stopped you in your tracks. Um, so that is your failure. Uh, it doesn't get you further up in the race. Uh, I think what I'll say uh, for your problem is uh, the hard light is sort of screeching and grating, and you can tell that it's sort of messing up the workings of your board. Um, and you're going to take a slam. The slam isn't going to be to you, Helix. It is going to be the hard light board. Um, and the slam is... Um, Breaking board. Um, I do think he, uh, no no true physical harm is done to him, but I have to assume just with momentum, the board stops and he goes flying and kind of does like a tumble and then yeah. has to do this sort of like sad jog back to his board <laughs> as other people are whipping past him in the opposite direction. He's got to do the like <laughs> the walk of shame back to his Yeah, and his maybe that's what also gets the board in the condition that it's in, if you were able to think fast, maybe you could pry it away before any real damage was done. But because you were thrown and had to make your way back and then disengage the chainsaw teeth, it had already done some damage to your board. I sh- should have known those projections weren't entirely hard light. Mm. Oh, well, it's he starts. He just kind of starts looking at it. And uh, it, I guess, is it good to keep riding at the very least? Yeah. 
Okay, great. It's but it might just it might be something I got to look at when I get home. He's like, well, it looks like uh, looks like it should still get me to the end of this race, but I've lost significant ground. And over your shoulder, Maeve goes whipping past and says, "Keep up, Helix." <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, Maeve, let's let's figure out what you've got up your sleeves. Yeah, so uh, I've got four of them, so you know I got yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Maeve might have been initially tempted to pull a similar maneuver, and maybe seeing how it worked out for Helix even even sort of confirms that, like, no, that's not the play. Because uh, like I uh, mentioned in the intro, uh, Maeve comes from Thenispar and has, has only recently uh, moved here to Opera Ablum. So um, she is a lot more familiar with with trees and forests uh, than than maybe some of these other racers are. And like you were saying in your description, like she, she can see right away that the spacing on these trees is not truly random in the way that a forest would be. It, it you know, it's that thing where it's too perfectly random it's been laid out in a certain pattern kind of thing um mm-hmm. basically like she she's been hoverboarding for a long time she's been slug blasting for a long time she's ripped through the golden jungle she's ripped through the forests on Thenispar. um this feels like uh it shouldn't be much of a challenge for her um and so rather than trying to smash her way through or blow things up or or use her photonic jacket i think i'm going to pull all my resources from my attitude this time and this is just Maeve doing what she does best and hoverboarding, uh, navigating her way through this forest, uh, perfectly timing and executing those turns uh, and like split second uh, hair trigger turns in and around the trees uh, to get where Mm -hmm. she's going. Um, So there's nothing fancy going on here. She's not uh, pulling any kind of major maneuvers. It's just uh, back to basics, uh, skate uh, hoverboarding fundamentals at play. I'm going to throw two, D6 on this for my attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would like to do a trick, um, which I will describe if I am successful. <laughs> Alrighty, sounds like a plan. Let's get that roll. Rolling 3D6. Oh my god, a one, a one, and a two. Oh my <laughs> god, the rolls! What's happening? Yeah, we should only let Michael roll rolls right now. Mm-hmm. Apparently. Yeah. I'm not in this scene. I can't do anything. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this is all your fault. Let the record show. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Um. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my goodness. So I think what happens is you're navigating through and you are an experienced slug blaster. You know how to make your way um, through all, all sorts of different terrain from, you know, the, the cliff sides of Thenispar to the trees of the golden jungle and, like, you know, even the brutalist uh, uh, cityscape of Lansden Megatower, you know? There's, there's skatable parts to that. So I don't think your failure comes from uh, not being able to navigate it. I think the Daibokin also mess up your biz. Um, that makes sense. And I think they, it sort of comes in the form of not really knowing what to expect with these Daibokin. Uh, uh, in fact, um, maybe you... Uh, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is silly. Um, but you, you're making your way through, weaving around the trees. You see actually like an open stretch, which looks like sort of like a, a patch of wildflowers. 
and you think to yourself, perfect, I'll just carve through that. That'll get me a little bit of a shortcut, I'm good to go. You uh, pick up speed and accelerate through the field of flowers. And next thing you know, you have gone flying. Uh, and you land hard. Uh, and I'm gonna give you the slam of winded. Mm-hmm. And when you look back to see what the hell happened, you see your board being gripped by like a little cluster of daisies. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, they're just sort of like holding it up in the air. You can't tell if it's one Daibokin that is like a patch of daisies or like a lot of tiny little, um, a lot of tiny little daisy Daibokins. Uh, but they're just like waving it in the air and, and shouting out jubilantly, Daisykin, Daisykin, Daisykin. Yeah, I think Maeve, you know, hits the ground uh rolls several times before coming to a stop skidding to a stop uh she's uh battered and bruised and gets up and sees this and is furious she just like she thought she had this in the bag uh so she goes running back to this uh daisy kin patch uh and i think she's drawing her ray gun to like she's gonna get her board back one way or the other <laughs> as you draw your ray gun and advance threateningly on this little patch of daisies they all go ah! And then they drop it, and then they all scatter and run in different directions. So now you know that there are a bunch of different cool guys, uh, and your hoverboard is there. <laughs> yeah, you better run. Uh, and she. That's what I said. She officially. She shakes two fists at you on the same arm and hops back on her board. <laughs> we did bad on that leg, gang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was rough. That was a rough go. Um, okay, um, so the, all, all of you in your own moments, like, see people racing past you, and I think all of you, um, <laughs> uh, Brinley first, Helix second, and Maeve third, all of you have this crushing moment of hearing a, <laughs> as, uh, a, snot-nosed kid with a backwards ball cap and an adderkin uh, uh, brably zips past you and is now ahead of you in the race. Maeve was about to put her fists down uh, but keeps them in the air shaking and cries out Brably! <laughs> I, I gotta ask in what way is the uh, adderkin aiding Bradley in his uh, Brably in his race? Like, can you... Oh. <laughs> Uh, uh, ooh, you know what it is? Uh, his hoverboard looks weird in that it's not one, you know, flat, uniform piece. It kind of also slithers like a snake, and you mm. assume that must help him with his maneuverability. In fact, maybe you see him, maybe you see it curve expertly around a tree. Uh, there's still one leg left of the race to go, and one by one, you each pick yourselves up, get back on your hoverboards, and go as fast as you can towards that pillar of light. And as you make your way towards that pillar of light, and the light washes over you, we cut away to Lansdale Enterprise Mega Tower. You find yourselves at the Arborist Temple in Lansdowne. 
when the arborists first came to Operablum, their arrival was heralded as a symbol of hope, unity, and prosperity for the Three Towers. After all, the arborists hold themselves responsible for tending to and nurturing the multiverse, much like one tends to a tree. Each branch contributes to the overall well-being of the tree, and so it is important that all branches are healthy and in harmony. The sapphire-skinned Thenisspartian in front of you continues to prattle on and on about how Operablum is like a tree or something, as he leads <laughs> the two of you through the side hallways of this temple. Now, you two had taken a gamble on walking through the front door. The website had said that our, the temple was welcoming to all. Um, and Forrester Tarmond uh, was more than delighted uh, to take residents of Kindred Multiversal uh, on a tour through this place. Um, uh, he lovingly refers to this temple as a Syrian temple. Uh, something about trifoliate leaves. He's talking on and on as he's leading you. Uh, never really pausing for you to get a word in edgewise. Not really. You could always interrupt him if you wanted. Or you could try to shake him and make your way through the temple on your own to seek out Maybelline. Uh, but for now, you are being given a just uh, overabundance of information about what the arborists are doing in the temple. A uh, quick question. Uh, so do we actually see any trees? Uh, I, I don't know if I uh, caught that. So the first thing that you would have noticed, because uh, uh, Termint would have uh, wanted to show you the sanctuary first, mm -hmm. and there is a big uh, sort of pennant along the back wall of the sanctuary that has the arborist symbol, which does depict a tree. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know if you have seen any actual trees yet, um, but there has been certainly a lot of um, tree symbolism and tree metaphors that have been uh, uh, spouted out. And, and Trev, maybe you're paying attention. Maybe you're just able to, uh, your receptors are able to process things more easily. Um, maybe there was something mentioned about how, yes, actually the arborists do grow trees uh, here at Assyrium Temple, but you haven't seen them. Uh, sure. Uh, I, I think Trevor is just uh, taking in all of this information. You know, it's like recording through his visor and everything, mm -hmm. and he's trying to process it. Uh, uh, I think there is a little bit of a, a conflict in his processing, though, as he's trying to, like, take these two contradictory ideas of what he thinks a tree is and how they are actually describing it. So there's, like, a little bit of confusion, <laughs> and there's, like, errors as it's coming up, and, like... <laughs> question marks and like it's failing so he's maybe like a little like yeah 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 so he's not going to interrupt i think he's going to be uh, slightly distracted uh very good i gotta pay this off i i said it yeah, in the start you said, now i gotta you said it i gotta it's canon you have to honor it otherwise i will use my bite and make you roll disaster no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh um walton you you see that trev four is uh you know, may maybe the head's twitching a little bit, and uh, every once in a while, error flashes across his face, but that's about it. Uh, Occasionally, like, you hear the sound that's like, dung, when, dung. when like a computer oh. has an error. You just hear that occasionally <laughs> emit <Dunk>. from Trev. <laughs> oh, no. He's sticky-keezing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Walt's not, like, too pressed about it. He he doesn't know enough about Trev for to to see that this is an unlikely, like, an unnatural mm. thing, I guess. <laughs> um, I think he's just uh, up until a point he'd just been following on this tour and 
trying to be as polite as he can with, uh, with uh, you said Forrester Tarment? Forrester Tarment, yes. Um, and you say he's, he's still going through a bunch of uh, facts as we, as we continue through the temple? Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, maybe right now you say, uh, you know the work of uh, Kindred Multiversal in, in connecting Operablum to the multiverse has been absolutely integral in Operablum's health, and we were hoping that we would have more contact from uh, Kindred Multiversal, and we're very, very pleased to see that it seems to be resuming once again with the presence of yourself and your companion here. Oh, absolutely, we're... Uh... Uh, great representatives of kindred co- coming on through. Um, I, I I hope I don't I'm not interrupting things too much, uh, M- Mr. Forrester. Um, do you do you have any arborists who uh, uh how do I put this? They're uh, that uh that are into slug blasting. <laughs> he stops. He's been sort of walking and talking this whole time, uh, excited to show as much of Aesirium Temple to you as possible, and he just stops dead in his tracks when you say the word slug blasting. And he turns to look at you, and his upper two forearms sort of come together in, like, steepled fingers, and his lower two forearms cross uh, across his his chest, and uh, he says, Ah, yes, I suppose that is something that is all the rage over in Kindred, but, um, well, uh, slug blasting has a lot of very dangerous consequences that, uh, we don't dare encourage here in Lansden. It is, um, not looked upon well, either in this tower or here in this temple, but rest assured, if there was any arborist in this temple who was into slug blasting, I would know about it. <laughs> oh, uh, absolutely, I... Uh... Can't say that I really go for it myself, um, but uh, you, you're, you're sure there isn't anyone who's maybe like a little involved in that way or... No, no, not at all. I don't think so. Everyone here is very devoted to the cause of arborism. Well, I mean, there have been the occasional disciple who, let's just say, had a troubled past and is working to redeem themselves from said troubled past. And that is entirely within their right to, and with the correct dedication and focus, uh, I have full confidence that any arborist who was once a slug blaster uh, will fully see the error of her ways, their ways, of their ways, and um, <laughs> come around. Right, right. Keep keep uh, growing and, and, and stuff, yeah. Uh, are are any of these d- disciples? Do they, do they happen to be uh, around right now, or mm. are, are any of them here in in Assyrian Temple? Well, yes. I mean, you should expect to see most, if not all, of the disciples here at this uh, this particular shift, uh, either um, uh, fully engrossed in their studies or perhaps uh, tending to the trees that we have here in Assyrian Temple. In fact, I can take you there next. Uh, and I will point out that uh, as you made your way from uh, Webb into Lansden, when you left Webb, it was kind of like, and even on like the lower floors of Lansden, it was kind of like in between like evening, quote unquote, shift, um, lower lights, slightly more relaxed vibe. Uh, and now as you make your way up and are here in the Aesirium Temple right now, 
um, up here in Aesirium Temple, and as you even got up to Postos, like in the four five hundreds, the the lights are actually brighter. Uh, it is a different time here. It is uh, obviously not earlier because that's not how time works. Uh, but their shift uh, seems to be more in the work school flow of things, as if it was you know late morning, early afternoon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Forrester Tarmant has uh, offered to show you uh, what sounds like maybe a, a, a greenhouse orchard kind of situation in a Syrian temple. Uh, he seems confident that um, all of the arborists are currently here, but he also seemed pretty confident that absolutely no arborists in the temple are slug blasting. Um, <laughs> so his word is maybe a little dubious at this point. Michael, are, is there a reason why we're not just asking, do you know where Maven well, I I think you could do that. I don't. I think the in asking you about the slug blasting and seeing that it is very frowned upon, I don't necessarily want to out someone for that. So, if that's something that's occurring to Trev, that could be something that you- as Trev is starting to come aware and like all the error messages have uh, gone through his brain and he's kind of kind of caught up and now more present. He uh, then turns uh, uh, to our guide here and says. I am curious, where may we find the one named Maeve? <laughs> blink, think, blink, 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 blink. <laughs> I think I do want a roll to see how this question is received mm-hmm. uh, and how much, if any, hot water it lands you in. Or me in. Um, you can, of course, <laughs> add to it. I, I don't know if you want to, like, uh, do a salacious wink and try and do a trick about it. I don't know. Uh, but treat it like your standard action roll. Okay, so I think this is where uh, Trevor's, uh, you know, empathy kind of uh, framework's coming in uh, with his intuition. So I'm going to actually use uh, some attitude from the heart. I'm going to mm-hmm. get, uh, uh, get an extra die. And I'm going to use kick. The kick being, I'm hoping that uh, Trevor will be actually able to kind of like, oh, he is just finding information that it's it's he's able to kind of read the person and mm-hmm. maybe even get a little bit more about uh, Maeve than what he would normally share. That's what I'm thinking. Ooh, okay. Yeah. All right. 2d6. Here we go. It, everybody's been rolling real great. Here we go. And... Nervous. I roll a four. A four? I mean, that's a success. Uh, So you ask uh, if we can find Maeve. Uh, And you did add kick. I think you're like right at the edge. Like maybe it's like plastic flaps or something uh, that would lead you through into the greenhouse. Uh, And he's just on the one side of it, uh, just about to enter. And then you asked about Maeve. And he turns to look at you, Trev, for, and he says, Oh, Maeve, you you know her? Yes, that is a individual we are looking for. It We mean no harm to her. We are here to help her. Oh, I see exactly what is going on here. Yes, yes, I understand completely. Maeve is the one who told you to come to the temple for this this uh, uh, breaking of bread and, and, and diplomacy between Lansden and Kindred. That may very well be. 
So please, would we be able to find Maeve? I uh, uh, yes, of course. I can I can absolutely help you find Maeve. You know, this is so encouraging to hear that this is something that Maeve has been dedicating her time to because well, you know, she really was um one of those who who used to participate in slug blasting and really ended up in in quite a lot of trouble with the arborists back in Thenis Spa. Um, it's it's a really quite uh, unfortunate for Maeve, but but we are helping her uh, so that she doesn't face some of the same uh, consequences that her old crew did. She's she's really making a better life for herself, and this this is very very encouraging to see. I'm assuming she told you all of this and you're not hearing it from me for the first time. Otherwise, that would be in spectacularly poor taste. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, there's uh, no new information here. Right, well, let's look into the greenhouse to see if Maveline is here. And as Forrester Termint parts the plastic flaps and, and leads you in, uh, exactly as described, um, you know, very spindly trees, uh, definitely held up by splints, uh, probably a couple of rows. <laughs> on either side of like vegetation way too humid way too humid in here <laughs> um and as he opens it there's like a shuffling and a stumbling and a couple of uh operablins and a thenispartian sort of like stumble back from the door uh this like doorway um and sort of like watch you as you come in and you realize that they were really obviously eavesdropping on this conversation <laughs> I think uh, Trev 4 might be uh, oblivious to uh, that to a certain degree uh, and is taking it as like, oh, they're interested in us. That's how he might read it. And so, uh, he, hello, hello, and hello, hello. And he's uh, continuing to say hello to all the trees because he thinks they are uh, just armless people. Uh, <laughs> hello, hello, hello. And he's getting... <laughs> Caught up in all of it, yes. As you're led into this greenhouse, you don't see Maeve. Uh, and and uh, uh, Forrester uh, Tarment uh, uh, is sort of looking around along with you. And he's like, ah, and see, as you can see, our progress has been very good here. Hmm. Well, it doesn't look like Maeveline is here. Perhaps she's studying. And then one of the operablins, who was uh, very obviously eavesdropping on the conversation, uh, is like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you know what? I think I saw Maeve earlier. Do you want us to take it from here, Forrester Tarment? Truly, you're a very busy uh, forester with lots of responsibilities. We can help these people from Kindred find the one that they're looking for. And Forrester Tarment is like, that is so helpful. Honestly, thank you so much. Uh, And it will be really nice for them to hear about arborism from your perspective. Uh, uh, Please, yes, uh, do follow uh, Zazlo here and he will lead you through (laughs) uh, uh, and hopefully will help you find Maeveline in one of the classrooms or perhaps studying uh, uh, fastidiously in her dormitory. Hello. Of course, of course. Uh, Thank you so much for the the tour and, and everything else. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Trev, Trev uh, would love to, love to say thank you as well, I'm sure. Hello. And uh, the, this operablin that uh, Tarment uh, introduced as Zazlo uh, uh, kind of smirks at you and is like, yeah, so uh, follow me right this way. Uh, and he kind of looks back at the two on either side and they all kind of smirk at each other. And then they make their way back through the plastic flaps into the hallways. Uh, so, Walton, are are you uh, tr- going to get me to come with you, or uh, I think 
Walt's pretty focused on, on, on just following along, so he just says over his shoulder, Come on, Trev! And follows along. Uh, excuse <laughs> me. Uh, please, I have to go and join up with my fellow. Thank you for this very kind conversation. And, and then he uh, come, leaves a whole grove of trees and uh, runs to catch up. <laughs> uh, so they uh, lead you down the hall and they lead you around a corner and then they lead you around another corner. Uh, and then they, uh, as they sort of go around the corner, like the Thenespartian sort of like steps off to the side and sort of gestures like, after you. Oh, uh, look, Lena. Yeah, what's up? This is, like, clearly and obviously a trap. So I'm wondering... <laughs> <laughs> what you're talking about. Uh, uh, just, I don't know. Uh, so I, I'm wondering if, now that I'm with him, would yeah. my intuition kick off, you know, like... Yeah. Yup, 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 yup. Uh, these, uh, these fools are, are leading you into a trap. Their vibe is off, 100%. Uh, and so I... Let me be clear on what they are doing. They are waiting for us to go past them? Uh, one of them is so that they will conveniently be behind you while the other two are in front of you, thus having you surrounded in this hallway. Um, okay, so like right before we pass that person who would go behind us, I wanna, uh, Trevor's like arm shoots out and uh, uh, kind of gets in front of uh, Walton and uh, we're gonna go through <coughs> excuse me Walton it seems that uh, they are trying to surround us wait surround uh, they're just trying to show us where Maeve is Trev I am sensing a threat to us right now and like his uh, he out of his wrist once again getting ready is a taser bolt ready to come out uh, do I have permission to use my taser bolts? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, what, you, uh, huh? <laughs> Maybe you should consider that you're the threat, uh, says Zaslow. And then the Thenis Spartan in the corner, whom you haven't passed, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. They, like, glitch out weirdly, and suddenly they're behind you, uh, and they're grinning. Uh, and uh, you you sort of look them over a little bit surprised, and you you catch that uh, the shoes on their feet are like weirdly like uh, jacked up. Uh, they're not like the the very simplistic sort of shoes that you saw Forrester Tarment wear. Uh, they're like pumped up sneakers, and they kind of like emit this weird glow as this Thetispartian settles into place behind you. Um, and the two operablins in front uh, step forward menacingly. And Zaslow says, You think we don't know what you're doing here? You're here to mess everything up, just like Kindred always does. Trev, I think I'm starting to pick up on what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs>